0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com recommend today.
1: Okay, we're finally sitting down with someone that we respect. And it has nothing was... to do with him being a truck. It has nothing to no. do with him being an NFL player or the rings. You are a three o'clock brother out here. Working, Radio Row, one of the only four shows, home of the Cowboys, joined by Mark Schlereth on 105.3 The Fan. You're right next to us in the morning, man. Yeah. Putting in the work, putting in the grind. Yeah, you know, uh, always love coming
2: out here, love hooking up with you guys, love talking to NFL, and I love talking about me. Uh, I am my favorite (laughs) subject, and I've got a lot of Super Bowl records. You guys probably don't know about them, so I'm going to give these to you. Please. Um, One, uh, I think I'm the only guy ever – to be on three of the top 19 Super Bowl teams in the history of the Super Bowl. I was on the 19th ranked team, the 97 Broncos, the 10th ranked team, the 98 Broncos, and the number one ranked Super Bowl team in history, the 91 Washington Redskins, the only team ever to be a top five offense, top five defense, and top five specialties. But it doesn't end there. I'm on the all Super Bowl team. (laughs) And then on top of that, my number one scoregami is this. I'm the only guy in Super Bowl history, the only one in Super Bowl history to win the Super Bowl on his birthday, which the birthday corresponded with the number of the Super Bowl. So I won Super Bowl 32 on my 32nd birthday, Mm. and after that, you just quit celebrating birthdays. Wow. um,
1: Yeah. That's by far the best one. That is
2: by far the best
3: one.
1: Now, who ranked these Super Bowl teams? This is the ESPN last week. but there was a reason. lot.
2: There's a lot of people that have ranked that Redskin team as the number one team in Super Bowl history.
4: Who was it that? Uh, that who, who was it that uh, <laughs> snapped that undefeated run in '91? Do you remember?
2: Oh yeah, I do. I do. It was in our place. It was the Cowboys. <laughs> the oh, Dallas Cowboys. Dallas, ah. the Dallas uh. Cowboys. Alvin Harper
4: halftime hail mary catch.
2: Yeah, that was. I think that was the last. No, you guys won a couple Super Bowls after that, yeah. but you haven't won one in mm. how not, many?
4: Yeah, not so. it's, it's been a minute since. Here's a, a good scoregami <laughs> for you, a good, good okay. br- a, a Broncos scoregami. We oh. found this out. There have only been three scoregamis in the history of the Super Bowl. They are all Broncos' losses. Really? So all three of them.
2: Wow. 55-10 to 10,
4: uh, to the 49ers, 39-20 to 20 to the Giants, and then the 43-8 to eight to the Seahawks.
2: <laughs> Whew. Good thing I wasn't a part of any of those. <laughs> right. they'd be, they'd yeah. no, they They <laughs> were ugly. <laughs> they'd, they'd have been reversed. There's yeah. two really ugly ones in there. <laughs> My gosh.
1: So we are sitting here with our annual tradition of talking about other teams. Uh-huh. uh Is there a mess in Denver? How bad is it? Because we had our Sean Payton white whale offseason where we're comparing Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones' dream. Uh, let, let, let's focus on someone else's mess right now if it's a mess in Denver.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it is one of those things I think in Denver where you you needed a veteran coach, you need a guy to come in and kind of uh, yank a knot in a few chains, and you know it just like there's a lot of things like you go in and I I call a game in Denver and I go into the cafeteria, and they you know because you you're you have your meeting room with the team and the coaches and everything right off the cafeteria, so you're in the cafeteria and. There are non essential personnel eating lunch in the in the players' cafeteria. And that may not sound like a big deal, but it's a big deal. You know, you can't roll in there with no shirt on and with your like there's secretaries and there. so Sean Payton comes in and instantly, like if you're not essential, if you're not part of the coaching staff or the players, you don't get to eat in our cafeteria. You don't know, you just get to come down here with with, you know, all your business buddies from upstairs in the office with a couple of clients, like you know, like we're zoo animals. Right. Like stuff like that matters, right? It, the culture of an organization matters. The culture of an organization, to me, um, it's like like irrigation. Culture is not static. It is, it is live. Mm. And irrigation, when you water things, and water will always follow the path of least resistance. And culture will do that as well. So it's got to be something that's been established, and it's got to be something that's been talked about. And one of the things I said about the Broncos over the last, well, since they won the Super Bowl, you know in Super Bowl 50 is that a lot of these kids think they're working hard they think they're studying they think they're preparing hard they have no clue what that means they have no clue what it means to to prepare and to practice and do and do study at a championship level and until you get somebody in there that really understands that and they can implement that and and essentially they can lay down the law. Like, I always say there's two types of fear that are imperative in an organization. There's the biblical sense of fear, which means, you know, when they say, hey, the fear of the Lord, that's not, oh, gosh, you know, you're going to smite me. That is awesome <laughs> reverence and respect. The other is you got to have straight-up fear. That dude will cut me in a heartbeat, and there's nothing I can do about it. And I can't take the back scare- staircase up to the owner's office and complain about it. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I know as a player, man, we're children. Like, so if I know... My head coach has been appointed but not empowered. What do I give a crap? Like, I don't care. Like, you cannot have your head coach finding out that you traded for Trey Lance when Trey Lance shows up in your locker room. Right. There's a reason you don't win. There's a reason you don't win championships.
1: I was just – everything that you just said, I wasn't going to take it to Jerry. Everything you said is what we feel like is kind of missing in Dallas with a looseness with – Whether it's McCarthy, Dan Quinn, I don't know. We're not in the building. You've been in the building. But when they play dumb and when there's stupid penalties and we have very little attention to detail in crucial, killer moments, that's what I think of. Which I could be wrong when you talk about all that stuff, which is why I wanted like a hard ass to come in there and replace McCarthy, or whether it's Mike Zimmer on the defensive side or something like that. Does that all add up to you with the Cowboys? Yeah,
2: like I always said, and I said this to my kid all the time. My son, when he was going into Major League Baseball, I go, "Talent is wasted on talented people." I need, I like, I I created. I'm not a big numbers guy, you know. I'm not a big statistics guy or, or analytics guy. Like math has never blocked anybody. You know, math has never never made a tackle. I'm not into that, but I do have one scale that I created. It's called the Boo Rating. B O O. That's Balls Over Opponent. I want my team to have bigger balls than your team. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and if you have bigger balls, then you're gonna. There's a great chance you're gonna win. I don't care about the talent. I want dudes. I want dudes that are professional. I want guys. Just because you play a pro sport doesn't make you professional. I want professionals. I want guys that are committed, and I want that's that to me is what wins. Mark Slaris join us here, one hundred five through the fan. All right, so there was a situation this year with 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 Coach Payton and Russ on the sideline. Yeah. What did y'all make of that? They got into it like Sean, like late. Was it, I think well, the, was Sean the indie, got into it? Was it, indie it. Indie game? Was it, it indie game? I, I think. I don't Detroit. know what it, it, it was, was. Detroit. Oh, was it yeah. Detroit? Yeah. He got it. He got into it. With, yeah. Like, how did that go over? Because, like, with in today's athlete, I mean, you might lose a locker room. Yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, that's who Sean – like, Sean is that way. Yeah. And, you know, it's the way I've always been coached, and I thought Russell Wilson cried on the inside a little bit like a karate man. Um, and so <laughs> it made me feel really good because that's the way I was coached my whole life. Yeah. And, um And that's, that's part of it, and I think that's probably where their personalities clash to a degree. Um, and, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, Russ – there's a lot of things that Russ doesn't do well. And I think that is that is a a situation where it really frustrates Sean Payton. You've got to be able to throw with anticipation. You've got to be able to throw guys open. You've got to be able to get through a route progression. And you can't just take sacks. You can't just bail out of a pocket that's clean because you think you're going to make a bigger play somewhere else. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was talking to Bruce Arians when he was coaching the – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Byron Leftwich. I said, what's what's the most amazing thing about coaching Tom Brady? And he said, if the first read in the progression is you're running curl flat, for instance. First read in the progression is the flat route. If it's open, Tom Brady will take it 100 out of 100 times without ever getting bored. And he'll put you in second down and six minus. And you're on schedule. And now your whole playbook is open. When you have a three-step drop and you decide to bail out of the back of the pocket when the d- offensive tackle is set and short, and you take a sack for seven yards, and you're second down 17, you're an idiot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you're,
2: you're horrible. And that stuff pisses me off, just talking about it, and it pisses Sean off, and it makes the offensive line look bad. And, like, you are trying to play a game where you should be on schedule. I always call it seven thirty 70 rule to me. 70% of the time, we need to be on schedule. 30% of the time, crap breaks down. And you got to go make a play, that's all right. But when you go off schedule – without a reason for going off schedule, that puts us behind the eight ball. And that's a horrible position to be in. And if you look at Russ over the course of his career, I guarantee you, when you assess sacks and whose fault it was, I guarantee you 40-plus percent of the sacks that that the Seahawks and the Broncos have given up were, were attributed to Russell Wilson. And that's not good enough. You're giving up 45 sacks a year in your offensive line. Everybody's talking about how bad they are. Pfft, my, my ass. Your quarterback
1: is bad. And that's those are the things that happen. Uh, you uh, used to work for our good buddy, Armin Williams. Yeah. Crushing it in Denver. When you talk like this, and I have a feeling I know your answer, what type of feedback do you get from the team, the players, when you keep it real like this, mm-hmm. uh, good or bad, mostly bad? feedback uh i don't care
2: i knew that (laughs) (laughs) and uh i can back it up with film and i i'm a junkie i watch a ton of film um and you know you can you can be mad at me for it that's your prerogative but as i always say the truth hurts and you know so i i just look at it from that standpoint as i just like it, it's honest and, and here's the thing about me like a lot of guys that are studio guys will say a lot of things that are outrageous that that really don't have a lot of factual backing to it yeah um because they don't have to face anybody i have to walk into an organization i i ripped washington for how they were calling plays the way they were executing their plays the lack of run game and um and the next day i walked there, or the next 3 days later I walked into that facility and I got some side eyes from some guys and I'm like come get a taste.
1: Right. <laughs> like we go watch the film you guys suck. Yeah.
2: And I'm not a, you know I'm not afraid to point it out. And so yeah. and their offensive line coach actually actually pulled me aside. And this was
1: under what This what? was just last year. Oh, last year.
2: Yeah. And, you know they pulled me aside and I said, "Hey dude, like hey my it's not my job to sugarcoat it. Like I I like you, but you guys are awful right now, and and you know it's it's just stuff like that. But yeah, there's an integrity to doing what I do, and yeah. and I don't make it up, and I'm not trying to. Hey, the truth is sensational enough, right? I don't I don't try to sensationalize anything. I'm just telling you, you know what the film tells me.
1: What analysts, broadcasters, X's and O's.
0: In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. What
1: guys, do you like on TV?
2: You know, I I'm there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys that or I like. Media. Yeah. There's a lot of guys. I I like Orzlovsky. Um ah. I, I, there you go, Bobby. I like, I like Dan. Um, but there's some things, you know, there's some things from a quarterback's perspective that I just don't buy. You know, so there's 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 a lot of guys. Um, there's a lot of guys. I, I actually love Romo at the end of a half or at the end of a game clock. because I think he's great at, where I'm not great. I'm not great at clock at the clock, man, because I didn't. I just get, give me yeah. a play and give me a chance to diagnose a defense, right? So that's not – that wasn't my world. And so I really tune into to Romo at the end of halves, and I'll go back and just listen to his end of the half and end of the, the fourth quarter because um, he's great at that stuff. So there's a lot of guys that I, I pick up bits and pieces from. Um, but ultimately, you know, you're very you're myopic in your view of, of how what you played, the position you played. I always say you kind of watch the game through a straw hole. And um, – and you know it's important to expand your horizons and kind of get a better global perspective of the game. Something that I try to do all the time. But uh, I, you know, I respect a lot of guys. I, I just know this: it's not easy. Playing is not easy, and I understand that. And so I try to, uh, I try to celebrate the game as much as I possibly can. Celebrate the
4: game. I'm curious. You know, when we talked earlier about you know toughness physicality penalties all these sorts of things here in Dallas right after the Cowboys lost we were talking a lot about you know well Mike McCarthy you didn't have them prepared Mike McCarthy you didn't do this Mike McCarthy you didn't. Yeah. what do you think when it comes to those sorts of topics toughness penalties attention to detail what do you think falls on the players to prepare themselves for rather than just hey you cannot put that on the coach those are the types of things that players have to have that accountability with each other
2: well they do and you have to have you have to have that kind of connection with the guys that you play with that it's so important to you not to let them down um you know part of its coaching you just can't you just can't parse it out and go okay he gets x amount of the blame and he gets x amount of the blame you know it's one of those things you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen and so it's got to be emphasized it's got to be you know accepted but your players ultimately are the guys who go out on the football field and have to execute right and so it's your job. I mean no nobody has ever paid a ticket to go watch a coach stand around his ass off on the sideline. Nobody. It's our team and until you get the until you get that mentality of this is our team and they come to see us play and it's our responsibility to take digest what we've been coached to do and go out and execute and do it with intelligence and toughness, not only physicality. But toughness—it takes toughness to walk away from a penalty when you want to haul off and you know and knock a guy out. It, mm-hmm. it takes toughness to go, all right. I'm going to catalog that, and I'm going to get you in the seven seconds I can get you, and there will be retribution. You know, in my day, there was a lot of frontier justice that went on, and you had to be smart enough to go, I'll get him back. It may be five plays mm-hmm. from now, but but you'll get yours. And so, you know, that's that's part of the game that. I think that's on the players to go out and execute that.
4: We're talking with Mark Schlaer here. On that same subject, sort of, I mean, everybody obviously talks about head coach and the coaching staff, what they do Monday through Saturday is so big to the actual game plan and then execution mm-hmm. on Sunday. With execution being a big part, where do you think the head coach is most felt on game day? Is it in the game management, the clock management? Is that the stuff where we're more going to go? Hey, that's something that the coach has to be on top of. Yeah, you
2: got to be on game management, and I think I think analytics um, ha, have ruined game management because I think so many guys now have somebody in their ear saying, "Hey, if we get into a fourth down and four minus situation, we got to go for it here." Well you know what like all of a sudden we're in fourth down and four minus we haven't blocked the three technique all game long what makes you think you're going to block them on fourth down now right right but the analytics the uh, the analytics guys don't know like i, I had a, a coaching staff tell me the analytic guy came down and said hey man we're averaging a yard a yard point two more per carry running to the left than we are to the right so we need it we need to sit down and get 65% of our runs to the left-hand side to go. Well, Aaron Donald lines up over there dumbass. So, guess what? We're gonna run away from him. Thanks, but thanks. Appreciate you. Right? So, you get somebody in your ear telling you we got to do this, we got to do that. Hey, listen, Dan Campbell and I love Dan. Dan goes for it all the time, right? So, but that's not an excuse to go, well, he went for it all the time. Let's go for it on well, this is this is the NFC Championship. There's 7 minutes and three seconds left and you got a fourth down and two 46 yard field goal kick it make it a three score game because what does that do for you like okay let me give you a couple scenarios what that does for you from a game management standpoint one all right we kick it now we kick off so we kick the field goal guess what we do we go to a tv timeout okay we come back we kick off you know what we do we go back to a tv timeout that's how tv works so now all of a sudden you don't actually effectively touch the ball for however long that drive was. You're sitting out. Now you got two TV timeouts. It's another four minutes. You haven't touched the ball in nine minutes as an offense, mm. right? You're cool, and now there's mo- there's a lack of momentum because you don't have the excitement of just just stopping a fourth down and two. And guess what? All right, you not only not have that momentum, but now you're going. Now we're down seventeen, not just fourteen. So now what do we do? Well, we really can't run the ball. We got to throw it every down here, and it takes you out of that rhythm. So kicking a field goal there was stupid. It was stupid, but that's where analytics has ruined the game. That's why I hate people that like math. <laughs> <laughs> I've always hated them, and uh, I hate stat- statisticians
1: and nerds. Do you want your math nerds. coach calling plays, like your head no. coach?
2: No. I would rather. Mike I would,
1: called him though, right? With you guys and Joe. Both. Mike
2: Mike called him until until a game in Seattle where nothing was working. He gave it over to Gary Kubiak. Um, there are some guys that can do it. I I just think I just think that there is there are there are a few guys that do it and do it really well, but I think the majority guys. You can't manage the game and call plays at the same time and ma- or manage the game well yeah and call plays well and i think the other thing is you lose connectivity with your defense you know all of a sudden your defense comes off the field and they do a great job and you're not over there going hey man great job whatever or hey we need to do something with your defense coordinator because you know what you're looking at your play sheet yeah and you're thinking about what my next series is going to be and how i'm going to set something up and so I think it, it you lose a little connectivity with your team.
1: Mark Slareth, NFL on Fox, former NFL player, of course, low-tease center here on the fan. Everything you're just talking about, managing all that stuff, you know, I think of Belichick. Uh, do you think it's a shame or you understand why Bill Belichick is not employed? Well, no, I
2: understand. I also think it's uh, – I think there's a certain amount of silliness to it. Like, you know, in today's NFL – well, there's a couple of things. You know, you're an offensive play caller that's young. That's like Viagra to 80-year-old owners. They can't get enough of that, <laughs> right? Uh, so they think that. But the, 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 the misnomer is that only young people can communicate with young people. That's right. just so stupid. Most young people I know can't communicate a lick because they've grown up just sending emojis. Like that's right. like, that's their form of communication. So can I sit here and have a conversation with you, and can I develop a relationship with you in that conversation? Right. And, and you don't have to be young if you can communicate. It doesn't matter how old you are. You, if you can communicate, you can communicate. Right. Yeah. And and so there is this misnomer that you've got to be young to connect with young players. That's I, that to me is stupid. It, and it's and it's just there's a lack of there's a lack of real understanding there.
1: So, in trying to replace Dan Quinn, right? Where, give us your perspective or quick hits on on some of the following guys, or if you have an opinion on who the best DC could be between Rex Ryan, uh, Mike Zimmer, Ron Rivera, um, and, and these Wink. guys. Who's that? Wink and, and Wink Martindale. Yeah. Well,
2: now, like Zim, if you want, if you want something that is gap sound and a really sound, you know, defensive philosophy then Zim's your guy, right? Um, not flashy, but incredibly sound. If you want hell-bent for election, hair on fire, Wink Martindale is your guy. Because Wink is – his philosophy is, is you know, I'm going to heat you up on every single play, and ultimately you're going to make some plays on us. But if we give up four, we're going to make eight, <laughs> and we're going to come out with a win. And I love Wink. Wink's my guy because he is uh, – that dude just does not give a crap he, like and I love that and it just depends on kind of what your philosophical approach is but you guys have such unbelievable talent it'd be a ton he'd be a ton of fun like
1: a ton of fun and then last thing before we let you go um, in in this DC search a lot of our listeners and and you know the trends in the league we're all focused on who matches up best against. These Shanahan tree offenses yeah. that kick the Cowboys' ass and humiliate them. Obviously, we talked about Mike. Did you know that Kyle was going to be the man? And what do you think of this trend, at least in Dallas? Of we got to figure out who can stop the Shanahan tree. Yeah, you know, I, I am when
2: when uh, when oh Eric Mangini left, you know, left New England and he, he left the Jets. When he came to work for ESPN, when I was working at ESPN, he cornered me in a hallway with a grease board. And we did a two-hour tutorial on on the zone blocking scheme, and so there's a, there's a lot of people who struggle with that, right? And that and all the scheme off of that, um, it's incredibly successful. It's why Mike should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's like that is the route that that you know sixty percent of the teams right now run, um, and so yeah, I Kyle is Kyle is next level. His ability, his dad was the same way. So playing for Mike, Mike would tell you here's what we're going to do here's why we're going to do it here's how we're going to execute it and on top of that let me tell you why it's going to benefit you and he'd say something like hey we're going to run this play we're going to run it six times it's not worth a crap we're going to average two yards a carry but if you sell out on this play like debo you're going to get an explosive." Kittle, you're going to get explosive. check, you're going to get explosive. And of those three explosives, and oh by the way, and, and McCaffrey, you're going to get one. And oh by the way, on those explosives, two of you are going to score touchdowns. I have seen his dad say, "This is exactly what's going to happen. We're going to run this play coming out of the, you know, coming out of the break. We're running this play. This is what's going to happen. This is going to line up. We're going to score a touchdown." And sure as I'm sitting here, boom! It's exactly what happens. Kyle does it all the time. Wow, all the time. And when you have a coach that puts you in a position like that for success and you understand if I do my job, this is the benefit to me, and then you execute it and you watch it roll out and go exactly the way he says it's going to go, then every time that guy calls a play, you're like, oh, yeah, we're on to something. Or, oh, yeah, this guy is diabolical, <laughs> right? And 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 that's that's that Shanahan tree, and
1: they are great at it. Uh, not only our 3 a.m. bro out here in Vegas, but my low-T center uh, brother as well. Tell our TOLOs why they should get their numbers checked, Mark.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's incredibly important. Obviously, uh, as, as a player, most of us, once we're done, we our testosterone levels go way, like they go way down. Um, and a lot of head trauma and those type of things. So that's an important aspect of it. But I'll tell you one of the things it did for me is going in for weekly visits, getting my blood pressure t- checked, doing my uh doing my blood you know every three months or so i came in one day and my heart rate's always in the 60s and uh i came in one day it was 99 and i discovered i had afib oh and it was because i would have never i'd never known that you're five times more likely to have a stroke if you have afib and i went on this this journey where i ended up having heart surgery in the whole nine yards um but i wouldn't have known had it not been for my weekly visits at low t so they were like hey something's wrong here you need to go see your physician did set up my appointments and uh and discovered the issue i was having but that was just through a weekly visit and uh, and you know some somehow along the line i i developed low t or i developed excuse me a uh, afib and, and ended up having to have it addressed but i wouldn't have known had i not known my numbers had I not got my weekly checkup so uh debt of gratitude for my guys at low t
1: Best guest of the week. Yep. I knew you would be. You are every year. Thank you so much for you sitting got down guys. with us, man. Appreciate My pleasure. it. My pleasure. Mark Slareth on three of the top 20 teams of all time that would have all lost to the 92 and 93 Cowboys on the fan.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.